when I saw those three words, knowing that God knew what was going to happen the next day, it really has given me an assurance in prayer and God's provision that I never, I guess, really had before. You just modeled this beauty of showing up and that consistency over and over and over, even when we think, I don't know if this is making a difference. I don't know if this matters, but that consistency, it builds a foundation that when you need it, it's solid. Hello, welcome to the Midlife Moms podcast. My name is Amelia Rhodes and joining me today is Brenda Yoder. It's great to be back, Brenda. Hi, Amelia. I'm so glad we have a chance to catch up with each other and with our listeners as we kind of finish out this season too. Yeah, we're glad you all joined us today. It's been kind of an interesting fall for both of us. And as we head into winter, we just thought we would chat a little bit today just to let you know you're not alone in this midlife season and kind of what a day in the life has looked like, because it's been a lot over the past few weeks, month for you, Brenda, in particular, you've had some interesting changes and seen God provide in the midst of it. What's been going on? First of all, yeah, I want to say the same thing for you though, too. And I think for our listeners, as we kind of talk about kind of day in the life of midlife moms, Um, That's kind of what we want to wrap up this season with. We've talked about a lot of different topics. Uh, We just heard Robin's story of all the different things that happen throughout life that we don't expect. And I'm excited today to talk about a little bit of like what a typical day in the life of a 40 year old midlife mom looks like Amelia, which is your life that you're living with. You just said right now, as we're recording this, you've got a house full of extra boys because teen boys, because of your son's birthday, um, your husband's out of town, your daughter's getting ready to go do something. And we carved out just a few minutes in our busy schedules, but that's really what it looks like, right? For you. It, it does. And when you say a day in the life and it's kind of like no two days are the same because you never know what your husband or your kids or who's going to show up. You've had that <laughs> you come home and, oh, there's a child home. You didn't expect to be home. So that's part of it is a day in the life is always an adventure. Just thinking about all of that kind of craziness is really the fullness of the season that, that you're in. And I think a lot of in, when you're in the 40s and you're raising teens and you've got careers and you've got all those different things going on is that there's, there isn't any predictability and yet there's always seems to be kind of chaos and different things going on. I think that's the one thing you can expect is chaos and unpredictability. So, you know, you have a teenage driver who's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do this after school. And another one who's like, oh, I invited a few friends over, which is what you want. Like you want that fullness and all of the extra kids around. And so my son just had his birthday a couple of weeks ago. And yesterday I spent three hours at the go-kart place with them. They had a half day of school. And as I was telling my husband, we were kind of shuffling who's doing what, who's going to take them, who's, who's going to hang out with them, you know, all afternoon. It was, you know, just that recognition of, we both wanted to, we both wanted to be with him and his friends, just how much we enjoy having them around, how much we enjoy having these kids around in this full house. And so even in the midst of, you know, a living room full of kitchen cabinets, because we're in the middle of a kitchen remodel and, you know, our daughter coming and going with her sports and her friends, it's, just a really grateful time. It's a tiring time, but we love it. And I, as his birthday rolled around, he just turned 15. There was something that really hit me in him turning 15. There's something about your youngest when you realize you only have 
two or three birthdays left with them around and in your home. And I told my husband, I'm like, I don't know why, but this one is just really hitting. I just feel it slipping away. And as our daughter turns 17 in a few weeks, it's like, whoa, one birthday left. You start that countdown. And so you try and soak in every moment that you can. And I just feel like we're going to come out the other end of these years exhausted, but so grateful and so happy. And maybe we can rest in our 50s, but I don't know. (laughs) That may not be the Um, case either. (laughs) No, because I think that's kind of why we're doing this. Um, As we were chatting about what focus we wanted our end of the season podcast to be about. We're thinking about our listeners. And, and if you've been with the podcast for a while, you know, that Amelia is representing kind of the forties part of the midlife and I'm representing the fifties part of the midlife. And in that flow of the season of the full house, everything is chaotic and, and moving and changing all the time with the, with the full house. And then here we are really in our, our beginning part of being an empty nest. And my husband has been a high school teacher for 32 years. He's done it Honestly, he got his first teaching job the day before our wedding, which was an answer to prayer. And he's taught high school math for 32 years while also being a dairy farmer. And he planned on retiring from teaching, but not, we aren't able to retire um, because we are still um, in our early fifties and midlife and still have to work. And so he had a, his post teaching job that he specifically chose out of different options Um, he had an accident from that Um, about three weeks ago, actually, at the time of this recording, we live in a large Amish community. We're Mennonite. We live in a large Amish Mennonite community. And so he was driving for an Amish logging company um, because they don't drive. So they hire people to drive for them. And so that's a, that's a typical job option in this area. And um, by, by no one's fault at all, but he um, was in the forest that day when they were logging, Um, which is not something he typically, they would have had him do, but anyway, a tree fell the wrong way and hit him. And he was in a near fatal accident. Um, Fortunately, God did provide for him. Um, His injuries were not as serious as what they could have been or should have been, but it, it was a, a big event that happened. He was airlifted um, to the regional hospital, was in the hospital for several days and now is off work for several weeks. And all the new things that were really kind of scary for me for making this big life change for our family was all of those things like the uncertainty of new health insurance and the uncertainty of what does this look like, um, in a different type of job. And then just the, the fears, just a lot of fears of, of a, of a type of job. Now we're farmers. So we're used to kind of the challenges of doing outdoor physical work and things like that. But Uh, the other thing about this experience for me that I'm still processing, there's just so much that I find God is showing me and teaching me, but is also like you were just saying the, the importance of soaking everything in, like when it first happened, I think Amelia, one of my texts to you and a mutual friend who we, we pray for one another weekly was, um, kind of all I wanted to do right now is just, um, take care of my family and go to work. And, um, there was this element of really just being about the only things that are important. And I think when you really have these experiences that bring home really what is most important in your life, um, it really comes down to who's most important in your life and the important tangible things that are part of your life. I do work part-time 
I work full-time, but I work part-time at a, a regular day job as a part-time school counselor. I still do some private practice and then, um, the other time do ministry with writing and speaking. And actually my last four speaking events were within that two week period of one was actually the day of his accident. Many of you probably have heard us talk about the empty nights, empty nestful life retreat that with Jill Savage, Jill was a guest with us on four different podcasts this season. And Jill and I were supposed to do that retreat together. And this happened actually the day right before the retreat was supposed to start. So um, that plus three other speaking events, I had to cancel or find replacement speakers for me um, because life happened. So when you think about priorities shifting, you know, I think the emptiness season and this part of your midlife of when things are not quite as predictable, I think that's what feels so unnerving. I think when you're, when you're raising your kids, there's an element there of no matter what happens, there's still an element of predictability, right? The kids still go to school every day. You still have to tend to their needs. And I think part of what is hard when your kids get older is that there's a lack of predictability. And when hard things happen, you don't have that predictable thing in front of you to numb your mind and to take the worries away or to be able to take the next steps. And we were just kind of chatting about that, Amelia, you were just saying that like, even in your exhaustion, you need a hobby outside of raising kids, which very few of us have in the Mm -hmm. season, especially when you're raising teenagers. I think that's easier when your kids are little, because, um, you really do seek that out. You seek out like the, the thing that's maybe going to help you maintain your identity a little bit more, but as your kids get older, you literally are with them or running after them all the time. There's no time for a hobby. And yet, Amelia, you were just saying, even in your season, you need something that is kind of that healthy, calming activity that is not raising your kids, not going to work, not having your mind race a million Mm -hmm. places. Yeah. And I think as you were talking part of it, I think has to do with an element of control. You feel like maybe you have a measure of control in your life when you're younger. And there is that predictability every day. You know, the kids do this, they do that. They go to bed at this time. And you were kind of directing that as the mom often, this is bedtime. This is when we get up, you're doing all the meals. And what I've noticed in the past few years, as my kids get older and they have more autonomy and they have, and want more say in what we do. And you have taught me how healthy and important that is. I've talked with parents who said they get their kids to struggle to do this or that, or do anything as a family. And I've brought up that element of letting them have a say, which may mean as the parent, you're not doing what you want to do. You're doing what the family wants to do. So I think of even like getting a Christmas tree, like it may look different, you know, when they're teenagers, young adults, but let inviting them into those decision makings for the activities and the things we do. Uh, has built really strong bonds for us, I think stronger because they know that they're not just the kids who are getting told what to do, but that they have a say in some of these activities. But part of that means as mom, what I've noticed is you, you lose some of that control, but then also you get maybe left out. So it's, you know, the teenagers who are making wise choices and good decisions who have that autonomy and freedom of like, Hey, we have a half day of school. I'm going to go with my friend, you know, to lunch after school instead of coming home for lunch. Well, that's a, you know, something that we had done in the past, they would have a half day of school and the trimester we would, 
they would come home and I would take them to lunch, but now their choice and their decision is, Hey, I want to go celebrate with my friends. And so you feel this loss of control, which really we never fully have control. We recognize that as believers, our lives are not in our own hands, but you're directing maybe some of that more. And so as they have begun to have their own lives, make some of their own decisions, want to do their own activities, I'm realizing, wow, I'm, I need something that I can create and produce because we're not creating and producing maybe like we used to with the family. We used to create the memories. We used to produce the activities. We used to direct and organize the activities and things that we would do together. And now they they are having more of their own lives, which is a good thing. And it's a needed thing. And this is part of the transition when they are high schoolers, they're starting to determine what they love to do. They're working jobs. They're having their own sports, their own activities. They don't need you to drive them. So just in the past few weeks, I realized, wow, I, I come home and I need something to do. Not That's not thinking, that's not work, that's not exhausting and draining besides scrolling. So that's where I found myself. I'll come home. All my kids, they, they have their homework, they have their activities, they have their sports. And I've got this evening here and there. And I just found myself mindlessly scrolling. And I'm like, I don't want to spend my free time mindlessly scrolling. And then I was like, oh, even to pick up a book though, my, my work life, I work full time, a very full-time ministry job. I'm like, wow, my work life is tiring. So I don't have a lot of like thinking space left which is why I would end up mindlessly scrolling. And I was telling my husband a couple of weeks ago, I think you kind of need a hobby, not like a big hobby, not a super involved hobby, not one that thinks a lot of brain power, but something that feels maybe productive that I can control, that I can create something. And so years ago I used to knit. And so I'm like, maybe I'll just pick up some chunky yarn and just knit a blanket, one that's easy, simple. And I, I come home with yarn and my family's like, what is going on? Cause mom hasn't had hobbies. Right. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't crafted in years and years and years. And so it was funny because my mother-in-law happened to be here the night I brought the yarn home and I had picked up a couple other things for my daughter and the in-laws were here because our kitchen cabinets had come and our house was in complete chaos. And I think that's part of it too. Just like everything else feels like so much chaos, like something I can create, something that feels productive that I can maybe control and make something beautiful in the midst of all of this, you know, very messy season of life. And so I'd forgotten how to knit. And so she was there and I was, you know, looking up YouTube videos. I knew it's like riding a bike. Once I looked at a couple of things I'd remember. And so my daughter a day or two later, she's like, what? what, what are you knitting? What are you making? Like, why, why <laughs> I told her, I said, I just, I need a hobby. I need something to do. That's not scrolling the internet. That's relaxing and kind of fun. And just for me. And she says, Oh, so you were doing that on purpose. Not just because Nana was here. And so I'm like, yes, that was on purpose. I didn't know she was going to be here, but it turned out to be very helpful because I needed a few reminders. And so I'm really excited about it. It's, something to look forward to. It's something relaxing. And I think in this season, it just was something that I needed to feel like I had a little bit of something I could control and create in a healthy kind of way. And, and I think I love when you first mentioned the words, um, create and produce, because that's what I have realized myself. What is so important 
about having something tangible and productive to do with your hands. And this is something I've really been thinking about a lot over the last year with the pandemic, um, that we're, we're in so many technological spaces. We're really in spaces where we're interacting with people, but we're not physically face-to-face with people. We're not doing things with our hands and we're not creating producing. And this is something I see that's so important for kids in my job as a school counselor, but also as a mental health professional is that, um, God has created us to create and produce. Like he created us to work with our hands. And there are a lot of references in scripture about working diligently with your hands. And that's one benefit I have experienced at working on a farm is that, um, there's, when there's something to do, you go and do it. It's, it's the one thing that is consistent and steady. You don't have to think about it. And there is something about seeing, seeing being part of your body, soul, and spirit engaging with, with your environment around you in something that's purposeful, meaningful, And then that you can produce, like you can set it down. So even just that simple knitting, not only is it just mindless and it's relaxing, but when you set it down, you have been productive, which does something to your soul somewhat too. And there's an element of clicking something on and off. Like I'm clicking it on in my head. This is what I'm doing. It's calming and relaxing. I'm clicking it off. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm at a stopping point. I'm setting it down. There's a bit of creating order from chaos too. Mm-hmm. And I've heard several sermons on this in the past. And when you think of, you know, us being created in God's image, we are created to be creators. And back in the beginning in Genesis one, God's creating order from chaos. Mm-hmm. And that is what we are designed to do is to create order from chaos. And I think particularly when our lives feel like they're maybe quite a bit more chaotic than normal. And you mentioned you had this when your husband had his accident, you shifted to your thing that creates, you know, order out of chaos. I think that's part of it, having something to do, whether it is baking a batch of cookies, whether it's making a meal, whatever it might be, there is something to that that's very um, organic to the way we were created and designed to be, to create something. And I think, especially in seasons that feel very chaotic, having something even small that you can take joy in, that's good. That's when God looked at his creation. He said, it's good. It's very good for us. We have that desire to look at something that we have created, not for our own glory or our own honor, but because doing so honors God. Um, something that I want to come back to that maybe can be switching gears a little bit, but I think it's important for us to talk about. You were mentioning um, about just the not having control over things as your kids get older and having more spaces by yourself. And, and that is part of that releasing part that be, does become unnerving. That is important to do as you kind of fledge your kids, as you're getting ready, as they're starting to become more autonomous, that you're able to find those other parts for yourself, starting to have your own autonomy outside of your kids. So that's important, but something that as we were talking that I wanted to mention, I think is really relevant in this conversation, um, that may feel like a a whiplash topic, but it's not because we really are talking about a day in the life of one of the things that, that I experienced, you were talking about being alone as your kids have more autonomy spending more time with their friends. Um, when, when the accident happened with my husband, 
um, I was alone. So like I got the call and I was alone and because our kids all live out of the home. Now we have one who's still in college. Um, one who lives about 13 hours away, one who lives two hours away and one that lives four four hours away. And so, um, I was actually at the home of our son and daughter-in-law. They were supposed to be moving the day after his accident. We were going to be there with a U-Haul and help him move. And I was there the day before cleaning. So I had to call all four of my children to let them know that their dad was in this accident was going to be airlifted. And I had to shift into, um, a mom who had it together I needed to not cry on the phone because I needed to be strong for my kids, um, especially for those who lived far away. Uh, we went through this five years prior with my um, father-in-law's death when we had to call and tell all of our kids that that was happening also. And again, um, my daughter was um, in Mexico at the time she had just gone to the mission field. And so I, I kind of knew a little bit of what this means to have hard news over the phone when you're a young adult. But then as I was driving then to the hospital, which was about an hour and a half away from where I was, um, a year ago, yesterday, actually, as we're recording, this was my, my own father's death and he died from COVID. And that was a very lonely experience. Mm -hmm. And it really, set into this place of this, I'm experiencing so many hard things alone. And, um, because when my dad died from COVID, my husband also had COVID, we were in isolation in our own home from each other. And, um, so I grieved a lot by myself in the house. I couldn't even be with my husband or my son who was here at the time. And so here I was again, as you know, a mom of adult children, in a moment of crisis where you need to be strong for your kids and there's no one there to check on you. And I, I think that's one of the harder things also, as you're walking through midlife is that when your kids are around you, when they're younger, you, you kind of care for one another, even though we, as moms don't look to our children to care for us, that's not healthy parenting. When we do look to our children to be our emotional support, that's not healthy mm -hmm. parenting. Um, but you, you're mirroring each other, right? You have those little ones to pull tight and to hug and things like that. And so it does feel, I think that's part of the emptiness journey throughout midlife is that we don't have those physical pieces of people, whether it's our children or in some cases, our spouse, mm -hmm. um, a lot of women listening to this podcast are maybe widows or divorced. And so it's part of that experiencing life alone, even though you have friends who reach out, you know, friends who I texted you were one of those and several people who checked in on me through texts and, and phone calls and messages, but there's an element of experiencing things physically alone. And that's, that's an element of self-care that you kind of have to be managing around in times of healthy times like yours, right? Like it's learning how to self-care, what that looks like when life is normal, but you're alone more. Mm -hmm. And then also when the hard times come and you're alone more, it's just really something that I think is moms, it's a new experience. And I don't, I don't know that we ever quite get used to being alone in that way. Right. That was the key finding something in healthy times when you're alone. 
And part of it is that recognition that we truly are never alone. Like those of us who follow Jesus, we have that promise that he has sent a comforter, that he has sent an advocate, that even when we are physically alone, his presence is with us. And he has said that he would never leave us or forsake us. And that's been a great comfort when I feel alone and I'm truly on my own, knowing that in reality, I have a presence of his spirit to rely on, to be comforted by. And it's something that it's hard to explain until you've experienced it. And I remember even just, it was probably about eight years ago when my husband had cancer, going through that and then sitting in the waiting room, feeling completely alone, yet completely at peace, knowing I'm not alone. And there is a strength to go through this that is not my own, that I don't have to depend on. And that's just an incredible gift to lean into um, in every season. It is. And, and that's the one thing as we kind of finish up this episode and, and even we know that this episode is airing near the holidays and the holidays can be extremely difficult for a lot of people. Um, but that is the, the peace that I experienced, the, the peace and calling my kids, um, just one after the other to let them know I had a peace, um, that wasn't alarming. Um, I was able to be reassuring to them, a piece that I felt even, you know, even in a lot of uncertainties where we are currently right now, um, uncertainties again, kind of about the job situation, um, all of the, the, the bills and things like that. Um, I just, I feel peace. We're taking one day at a time. And I think that concept in itself is new. I think as moms, we don't really think about, oh, I'm just really taking one day at a time. Oh, we are planners and we want to know what's coming up, but God is really teaching me a lot of things, um, which is really feeling the assurance of his peace, but also the assurance of his provision. And, um, I'll just share one thing here as we kind of wrap this episode, but also season up encouraging Amelia, you are a good encourager in prayer. You've uh, written a book about prayer and I have to say that I'm probably have not considered prayer my strong suit. I'm more of a Bible teacher application, personal application. Let's learn the Bible, apply it to your life and practical things. I believe in prayer. I've always prayed, but about a week after um, the accident, it was kind of the first day I had a chance to really sit down and have a quiet time. I opened up my journal and the last entry was the day before my husband's accident. And the last three words were keep Ron safe. Mm. And I just became overwhelmed at God's provision. And what it showed me is that I've had these simple disciplines of having a quiet time journal for pretty much since I was in college. So for, for 35 years, probably I've been writing almost daily or consistently um, as I read my Bible writing out my feelings, writing out prayers that I somehow think maybe God doesn't hear. Maybe they aren't quite strong enough because I'm writing them down. Maybe I don't quite pray them the right way. Am I really praying it? Um, but I did have some anxiety about, um, the safety of this job that was different. And I prayed this prayer then almost every day as my husband left for work was to keep him safe. And when I saw those three words, knowing that God knew what was going to happen the next day. It really has given me an assurance in prayer and God's provision that I never, I guess, really had before. He knows what we need before we even ask. It's always been a comfort. 
And you just modeled this beauty of showing up and that consistency over and over and over. Even when we think, I don't know if this is making a difference. I don't know if this matters in our time with God and our caring for our children. But that consistency, it builds a foundation that when you need it, it's solid. You've built it one small layer at a time. And you saw that you know, in that event, in that unexpected event, you didn't know that would happen that day when you woke up, but that foundation that you had built day after day after day, when you didn't know if if it mattered, where you didn't know if his discipline was making any difference one day at a time, it may not, but over time, it adds up to this life of faithfulness that when the crisis comes, when we feel like we completely lost control, you've built that solid foundation. And so just encourage everyone who's listening, that those small daily habits that you have of taking care of yourself, of spending time with God, of praying when you think maybe he's not even near, you don't know if he's hearing, that those add up over and over and over those daily acts of faithfulness to what becomes a great life and a solid foundation. And so as we wrap up, I think this is a great place to stop and to wrap up um, this episode, but also this season of season two, Amelia, if you were to give one word of encouragement to our listeners, as we wrap up this season, what would it be? It would just be that, that those small things you do each day, they really do matter and they do add up, whether it's that daily habit of gratitude, that daily writing out a couple lines in prayer, um, sitting in scripture, texting your kids, these things that you wonder, oh, do they even matter? Uh, Do those small acts of daily faithfulness are important. And so don't give up. Yeah. And I would, I would reiterate that kind of on this end and thinking about what we've just talked about with this topic of um, for those of you that are in the really busy season of all of those times where you show up to your kids' events, to doing the go-karting, to locking yourself in your bedroom because you have to record a podcast, um, as your kids see you do your thing and they're doing their thing and it feels like you may be disconnected. All of those connections really are important. And one thing um, our family has done just as a, a practice, um, I had was thinking about wanting to do it um, prior to the accident, but now that the accidents happened, we've decided to do it and our kids have responded. So when our kids were home in the home, every Sunday night, we had what was called family worship time where we gathered. And when they were little, we'd have more of like a little devotional, but as the kids were older, it literally was just getting together, kind of talking about our weeks and praying for each other. And, um, my husband and I try to pray for the kids every Sunday night, but we don't pray with them anymore because they're far away. So what we've started is a Sunday evening family thread now, um, through a text message, through a group, a group text where each one of us will share a highlight of the week and then a prayer request to the whole group rather than just to us as mom and dad. Um, and that's beautiful. The family bonds that you had built over time when they were in your home now have not broken when they are far away. And when there's times of trouble, Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's what I want to encourage people with is like social media and things out there. I think sometimes just really rob us of a lot of the really important things that build those family bonds. And I think sometimes in the largeness of life of the big moments, um, they really happen through all these small moments that you, Amelia are living while your kids are at home. And then as your kids are then are, are not at home anymore. It's, um, the new ways of keeping connected. And these are really the important parts of life. 
And we just want to encourage everyone again, as you're heading into the holiday season, I just want to encourage people, especially like, you know, it's really not about the big things. It really is all about like, if, if today were to be the only day, what would you want it to be about and have it be about the people who are most important to you? That's a great way to land this episode. Thank you all for joining us today. We do hope that you have a beautiful holiday season um, and that you know God's peace and comfort no matter what you're facing. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Facebook. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, we will be taking a break for the podcast, but we will continue to post in there. We'd love to have you join us. And we're also on Instagram. You can find us at Midlife Moms Podcast and Community. We hope to see you in there. Have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone.